Friends, please pray with me. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak through us. Holy Spirit, speak in spite of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. At every new member class, I always make sure to tell people the difference, I believe, between the gospel, that is Christianity, and every worldview, be it religion, political systems, philosophies, and personal ethics. Why Christianity? And I explain that every worldview is seeking heaven of some sort. It's called by different names in each of those belief systems, a utopia, a fair and equal society, a prosperous world, enlightenment. Every worldview in that sense is seeking God or something close to it, but only the gospel tells us that God is seeking us. And today, Jesus tells us this brilliantly in what may indeed be the most famous parable of Jesus, known by Christian and non-Christian alike. It's certainly one of the most moving. I imagine movie producers of today approaching Jesus and say, Jesus, I got an idea for a movie. It's based on one of your stories. Because your story is full of intrigue and suspense, conflict and drama, pain and, and grace. People are going to love it. They're going to resonate deeply with the characters. But some of Jesus' story, they'd say, some of your story makes us a little nervous. And here's why. You see, half of Jesus' audience for the movie is perfect. They're exactly the kind of people that would love to see the movie and even buy the book, the poster, the merch, everything. They are, as Luke describes them, tax collectors and sinners. They love a good story of grace, a good story of hitting rock bottom and then getting all turned around. By the way, if you've ever wondered why are tax collectors in their own category, it's a little bit like if you've ever read Dante's Inferno and there are, there are different levels of punishment, the different levels of hell. It's because tax collectors weren't just people considered sinful because of their greed. They were considered sinful because they had betrayed their Jewish community and were working for Rome. And I think it's because everybody hates paying taxes. So they get into their own category. But who else is at the table? Not just the tax collectors, but the sinners, who were they looking at the context of Jesus' other stories? They were likely prostitutes, drunkards, people who either didn't go or weren't even allowed to go to the temple and perform religious rituals. So they're at the table with Jesus and they're going to love this story. At first, it will trigger them. It'll trigger their shame. You see, the younger son, the story begins, asks for his inheritance right at the start. Oh my goodness, they know what that means. He's asked his father basically to die or at least get out of the way. I want not you, father. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to be your son. I want the benefits that being your son bestows. I want your stuff. I want your property. 
I want your money. And many at that table would have understood that they too had abandoned their families. They too had shamed their families through their behavior. They would see in the prodigal son whom we call, they would see themselves. And when he had lost it all, when he finds himself with the pigs hitting rock bottom, half his audience would be in tears. They know what it's like. Maybe some of you know what it's like to hit rock bottom, to have lost your fair weather friends who were by your side one minute when you seemed successful or when you had this round or the next. Or maybe it was when you tried to find love in all the wrong places. Or you tried to make a name for yourself and failed. To know that moment when your family rejects you or might reject you because of what you've done. You sought freedom and independence and now you're eating with the pigs, so to speak. In Jewish culture, this story has all the symbols of failure. You have nothing to eat. You have no family name. You have no purpose, and worst of all, you're eating next to the forbidden thing, the pigs. Jesus is describing that this journey that the prodigal son takes, whom we call the prodigal son, is one of the ways that we seek our own heaven, a heaven on earth, so to speak. This is the journey of independent living and self-discovery. It's one, in fact, that's, on it, uh, that's honored in Western culture. Go away to college, sow some wild oats, experiment, find yourself. This worldview is about seeking your own happiness. Whatever makes you happy, whatever is your own truth, you only live once. We even have fun posters. In fact, I think I have one in my house. Dance as if no one is watching. Don't have any regrets. In fact, it's best summarized by that romantic ballad of the self sung by the crooner himself, Frank Sinatra. And I'm going to read the lyrics, and I don't know if you're going to all break out into song. Regrets I've had a few, but then again too few to mention. I did what I had to do, and I saw it through without exemption. I did it my way. And then he ends in this buildup, the crescendo. For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say all the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows, but I did it my way. The younger son has done it his way. The journey of self-discovery. And at the end, he's discovered that it ends in deep despair. No purpose. Self-indulgence can only take you so far. And he comes to himself, the scripture says. He comes to his senses and he decides to go home. The suspense in the movie builds. Will he be received back? He has a plan. The same son who only wanted the father's stuff decides he will make restitution. That is what is culturally appropriate in his day. I might have botched my self-discovery plan, he thinks to himself, but I know I'll ask for a job and I'll pay my father back. I may never be his son, but I will earn my place in his estate. So he returns 
And the father, it turns out, has been seeking him, runs off while he is still far off, goes and meets him in the road. But the son sticks to the script, the monologue he has prepared, the rehearsed speech, but the father interrupts him. Did you catch that? Only the audience knows what the son was thinking because the father stops him in the middle and says, give him a robe, cover his shame. Give him a ring, make him my son again, and give him a feast. For he was dead and is alive. He was lost, but now he's found. The robe would have covered the shame of his nakedness and poverty. The ring the sign of authority that you would sign letters with to restore his family name, and the feast, the feast you would throw only for special occasions. This father has prepared the biggest party of all for the younger son. And the movie, the producers argue, could end right at that party, and it would be a blockbuster. But here goes Jesus upending the genre introduces another conflict. The older brother who refuses to come to the party. But before you pile on to the older brother and say, what's his problem? Come on. You have to know a little bit about the context of his day. See, the older brother would have gotten two-thirds of the estate. The younger brother would have received a third. It's a little bit like if you had a portfolio right now and removed one third of it. The cost of not having it invested, that is partly the cost that the younger son is causing to the family. But not just that, then he goes ahead and wastes it. This brings great shame to that family. And you'd have to understand the context of that time. Shaming your family was a big deal. Why? Because you dealt in reputation. So think about the business dealings the father and the older brother would have lost out on because of the shady reputation of the younger son. There are problems in that family. I don't know that we can trust them with our business. So he's costing them business because he's costing them their reputation. But now on top of it all, he has returned. And the robe and the ring and the cost of the feast to slaughter cattle in that day, the cost of that, do you know who bears it? Yes, it's the father, the family. It's the older brother. That's his estate. That's the two-thirds that hasn't been wasted yet. And here it goes, already being wasted on his younger brother, who's already wasted a third of the estate. Now, are you a little little more more understanding of the older brother and why he's angry why he doesn't want to go into the party and look at the response of the father the father who has gone out to meet the younger brother and bring him home is also the same father who has stepped out of this big feast to plead the scripture says to beg the older brother to come back in This is a father unlike they have ever known. A father who has every right to have shunned the younger son and every right to throw out the older son because of his behavior. He says, look, he doesn't even address him as father. Look, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. The older brother's done with relationship and he reveals something true 
All these years I've worked as a slave for you and you've never thrown me a party. You've never even given me so much as a goat. Ah, that's the plot twist. You see, we look at the younger son and we all get it. We say, of course, that's a sinner. That's clear as day. And half of the audience of Jesus gets it too. The sinners and the tax collectors. Yeah, that's, that's as clear as day. But the older brother, the one who has been moral, who has been dutiful, who's followed the rules, it turns out that he wanted his father's wealth just as much as his younger son. And it reveals here in this story the two ways that we seek heaven. We seek heaven either by our own journey of self-discovery, we live as we'd like, we look for our happiness, or we live as the older brother. We follow all the rules, we are disciplined, we follow the moral law, and we judge others who don't. And both of those sons in this story are lost. Both of them need salvation. The difference is the younger son is at least, has at least failed enough to get that something needs to change. So he comes up with a plan, as we've discussed. I'll work, I'll, I'll earn my way back, and the father will have none of it. There's no way to earn your way back. There's only lavish grace. But the older brother can't even see his own shortcomings. He can't even see his own sin. As John Gerstner writes, the main thing between you and God is not so much your sins, it's your damnable good works. That's the danger for those of us who have not experienced rock bottom like the younger son. For those of us who, and it's reasonable, have had to look out for the family, maybe that's you. You've religiously kept to your duties. You have followed the rules. You've been disciplined. You know how many times I've been approached, said, Pastor, I don't know why this is happening to me. I've been so good. Or the time someone said, I don't know why this is happening to my dad. He's been so faithful to the church. Or people say, I can't believe what's going on. I've given so much of my time and my money and my talent to the church. What's going on? When we do good works, there's an entitlement. Suddenly God owes us. God should listen to our prayer because we've been good. God should bless us because we've been good. All these years, I have worked for you like a slave, Father and I have obeyed your commands. But the story reveals not out of love. It wasn't for his father's sake. It was so he too could have his share of the estate when the day came. Both brothers are called to repentance and the brilliance of Jesus' move, even though he upends the genre, as the movie comes to a close, he doesn't resolve the end. Does the brother go into the party? The producers must have asked Jesus. I know, he's setting us up for a sequel. But Jesus isn't interested in the sequel 
because this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of your soul. He's looking at those religious leaders and maybe he's looking at some of us and he's saying, will you repent? Will you repent even when you can't see your own sin? Will you repent even of your damnable good works? Will you repent for the reasons you're doing good that aren't for the total and absolute love of God? Friends, whether we have been the younger son or the older son or both, we are called to repentance in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.